Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. It's a wonder, have you ever turned up at an airport not knowing where you're going, not having your plane ticket just there with your bags? Anybody? No, didn't think so. Okay, well, I've actually done that before, and I know that's like a really silly thing to do. It sounds really poorly organised, but it was part of a trip we were doing. And so me and my friends gave this Christian organisation some money to buy us a plane ticket, um, and then we just turned up at the airport to find out where we were going. And so we got there with our um, backpacks. We just had some spare clothes, our passport, and we had a little bit of emergency money. Um, But we didn't know where we were going, what we were doing. And I don't really know how that was legal um, to send off these students just to an airport, not knowing what they were doing. But anyway, we ended up going to Bordeaux. And it was a part of this project called Escape and Pray uh, that used to be run a few years ago. Loads of students being sent out across Europe to um, pray for different nations, meet different people. Um, And we had the most amazing time. We went to lots of different prayer gatherings. Um, We went and stayed with a house of prayer. They put us up for those three days and they fed us and they didn't want any money in return. Um, And we went out with them to do their kind of homeless outreach. And we just met some amazing people. And we were just wandering around Bordeaux praying, saying, God, where do you want us to go next? And what would you have us do? And for me, that was a really powerful experience of the Holy Spirit leading me. Uh, We didn't know what we were doing. We genuinely had to ask God, what shall we do next? Where are we going to get lunch? Who are we going to meet? And by praying and listening and being obedient, God led us on a really incredible journey. But I don't know about you, in the busyness of my week with work and remembering to do all of the chores and going food shopping and meeting up with people and paying the bills and all of that stuff, I sometimes don't rely on the Holy Spirit to lead me all that much. I try and be quite self-sufficient. And I can feel worlds away from that experience in Bordeaux. But 1 Corinthians 3.16 reminds us that we are a temple in which God's spirit dwells. We're like a vessel for his presence. And his spirit is always there to lead us. And so today we're going to be hearing from one of my favourite passages in scripture, Romans chapter 8. It's full of some amazing truths, and I'd really recommend you go and read it if you've not read it before. Um, So the book of Romans is this detailed explanation of the gospel message written by Paul to a church in Rome. And we're just going to focus on a few verses this morning. We're going to look at Romans 8, verses 14 to 16. I'm going to read out, and I think it'll be on the screen behind me as well. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
And what Paul is doing here is telling us Christians about ourselves and who we are and who God is in relation to us. And he's telling us how we can know this about ourselves and what kind of it implies about our experience on earth. Before I unpack what we can learn from these verses, I just want to lay the foundations of us understanding two important things. Firstly, who is the Holy Spirit? And secondly, what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? The Old Testament promised a day of the Lord in which the God of Israel would come to his people and be with them in a new and lasting way. He would come and bring about a great restoration of his people, freeing them from their oppressors, delivering them from their sinful hearts and bringing the nations in to join God's people. And the New Testament tells us of how God does this through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and through the giving of the Holy Spirit to indwell or abide within the church. And these two events or missions, the life of Jesus and the coming of the Spirit, are described by the New Testament as not only the instruments of God's salvation, but as the very presence and unified work of the one God of Israel. The Gospels and the New Testament letters describe the work of Jesus and tell us that he does those things that only God can do. And likewise, the New Testament teaches that the Spirit comes to do in the life of Jesus and in the life of the church those things that only God can do. And actually, throughout the life of Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit is present and at work in and through Jesus in a really special way. We'll just quickly look at a few examples. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, is about Jesus' baptism. And the Spirit descends on him like a dove. Luke 4, the Spirit led Jesus to particular locations and people. I like to think that was a little bit like my experience in Bordeaux. He led us to particular people and places. Luke 10, we're told that Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. John 14, Jesus comforts his followers by saying that God's going to send an advocate or a helper to be there when he's gone. The Spirit is the gift of God's presence, the Father's love and the Son's righteousness and victory over sin and death. And what's really exciting is that the Spirit continues the work of Jesus in and through us as the church. And we get to be part of that. So what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Well, being led by the Spirit is to be moved to flee from sin by trusting in the superior worth of our Heavenly Father's love. Because when you fight sin by trusting in Jesus as better than what sin has to offer, then you're being led by the Spirit. Put another way, when you know how loved you are by God and allow the Spirit to guide you, you will look more like Jesus in your thinking, doing, and very being. And the Holy Spirit can also give us good gifts for our community. Things like prophecy and wisdom, teaching and healing and discernment. And that passage we read, Romans 8, uses really strong emotive language about killing sin by the Spirit. 
And it touches on the theme that we're children of God, we're his heirs. And it juxtaposes different experiences of human life when a person lives by the flesh versus living by the spirit. Slave versus son. Death versus life. Fear versus freedom. Paul is expressing the importance that believers receiving the letter must understand that their lives must and will look different because of the Spirit. The rest of the world had to look different to the church because the rest of the world were living their own way. They were greedy and they were following these empty regulations. And we too are encouraged to live according to the Spirit, to set our mind on things above set our mind on the things the spirit desires so that our minds are governed by life and peace and to submit to God and his guidance for our lives and we're able to tackle the sin the the wrong things that separate us from God in our lives those misplaced desires the things that lead us away from Jesus because we are sons of God and the idea of sonship comes up throughout the bible And we hear Jesus actually using it in a phrase in Matthew 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now in the culture at that time, it was assumed um, that that child, that son, would take on the same vocation as their father. So if their dad was a farmer, um, then the son would be a farmer too. Or if your dad made tents, then you probably make tents too. Um, so it was, you know, that father-like son thing was like the cultural norm. And so when we read that we are children or sons of God, it means that we're called to be like our heavenly father, to follow in his footsteps. And because we're God's children, he wants the best for us. Like an earthly parent wants the best for their child, for them to be loved and known. His gift of the Holy Spirit is evidence that we are children of God. He wants to lead us into this war with sin and lead us into a new life. And as children of God, we're made in his image. And so that means we get to have the values and the priorities and the very characteristics of our Heavenly Father. And because we're like our Father, we hate sin. We know it's not good for us. Just as a little child might look up at their parent and they absorb their values, don't they? They kind of follow what um, mum or dad or whoever their carer is says is right or wrong. And we too are guided by our Heavenly Father, by him giving us the spirit to guide our lives. I wonder if you've ever met somebody, maybe in a church context or um, elsewhere, that just seems to know that they are loved. They seem to really know who they are and they understand who they are in relation to God. We might use phrases like, they just seem to bring peace into a room or they're a calming presence or they just love people so well. I can see God at work in their life. And the reason that they share these traits of God their Father is because they have his spirit who leads them in that way. He gives them new tastes, new preferences, new values and new desires. 
God sends the Spirit into our hearts so that we realise we are known and loved by him. The Spirit replaces the fear of a slave towards their master with a love of a son toward a father. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to change our fears of being punished by a master into confident and peaceful affection for God as our Father. Doesn't that sound beautiful? The Spirit firstly leads by stirring up this family affection. He doesn't get you to kill sin, the stuff in your life that is separating you from God by making you a slave who acts out of fear, but by making you a son who acts out of faith and affection. The Spirit leads by showing us the real truth of our adoption and the value of God's love for us. And he does this by being an advocate. Now, an advocate is someone who comes alongside somebody else and they bring counsel and comfort. And I think this happens in two directions because God wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want to control you. God's not a master who wants to dominate and tell you what to do. He wants open lines of communication and that depth of relationship. And so the Holy Spirit helps by bringing God's fatherly love to us and by developing our childlike affections for God. So we're going to unpack those two points a bit more and then I'll suggest some practical applications for being led by the Spirit. So the first direction that I was talking about in that relationship is that the Spirit leads by bringing God's Father love to us. A little earlier in the letter to the Romans, Paul said this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is a real, present experience. It's not just an idea or something we read about. It's something that happens in Christians. The love of God, that is God's love for you as his child, is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit of adoption, making real to us the love of our Father. It's an experience of divine love. Nothing else will compare. I wonder if you've experienced the love of God before. Maybe here at Reddish, maybe in another church, maybe just walking outside in creation, maybe just sat at home. There's been times in my life where I've experienced the love of God through a worship service. Um, I don't know if anyone else was at the CCM weekend away that we had last weekend, but there were times in worship where I just so richly felt the love of God in that place. I've also experienced God's love when I've just sat with a friend and had a really good chat. Then they've listened to me well and they've spoken affirmations over me. I've experienced God's love when I've been sat in a car, in between my school visits for work, feeling a bit tired and drawn out. And I've just been still and asked the Holy Spirit to be with me. Sometimes I've experienced God's love 
in times where it's not made sense. I wonder if you can bring to mind times in your life that have felt really hard, really painful, but God's love has broken through still. God is a father who likes to give good gifts. And what better gift than knowing and experiencing the love of the creator and sustainer of the universe? A.W. Tozer said this, The spirit-filled life is not a special, deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. The gift of the Spirit leading and bringing God's love to you is available to all of us. The second direction that the Spirit works is to lead us by awakening our own childlike affections for our Father. And this is what the last part of verse 15 and verse 16 were referring to. You have received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit brings about a response in our hearts to the love of God that cries out, Abba, Father. And the Holy Spirit helps us to recognise that we need our Father, that we need to cry out to him for guidance. Often when we try and go our own way or we follow what the world says is best, we're just left disappointed. But the Spirit can stir our hearts to instead cry out to our Father for help. Again, Paul's using really emotive language here, isn't he? He's using the word cry and the Aramaic word Abba, which means father, or even more closely would mean daddy. There's that kind of uh, sense of a close relationship there. And they both point to deep, affectionate, personal, authentic experience of God's fatherly love. And that reminds me of the cry of a small child who just wants their parents' attention. Maybe they're wanting some food, they're wanting a hug, wanting comfort. I mean, we've all certainly seen a toddler cry out for something, um, maybe in Morrison's, when they just want that chocolate bar. It's an irrepressible cry. It's not a mere statement, is it? The Spirit can awaken a similar cry in our heart. Now, we can engage with, um, you know, study. We can learn Greek and Hebrew words. We can think about the themes addressed in the Bible. We can read stories. We can discuss them. We can try and be really logical and studious. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Those things are good and part of our discipleship. But God actually invites us to also enjoy emotionally a relationship with him. We get to experience and delight in being the children of God, not just knowing that we're his children. The Spirit leads by showing us God's love and helping us to ask for more of God in our lives. Just as a child will seek more of their parents' attention, the more they experience it. Within my work, I do quite a lot of coaching with parents. Um, their child might come in with a speech or language difficulty, and we're working together to think of ways they can help them at home. And a lot of what we do at the start is just about the parent-child interaction, encouraging the parent to notice the little attempts made by the child, to pause, to watch and wait, 
to join in with play and communication, whatever that might look like for that child. And in that way, the child is learning that it is valuable to spend time with their parent, that their communication attempts are valuable and noticed. We can learn that spending time with God is going to be a good way to spend our time. The more we spend time waiting on God and stoking that childlike affection for him and engaging and getting his attention, the more we're going to want to seek him and allow the spirit to lead us. Now, I think the response to today's message will be different for all of us. Some of us might want to just meditate on the words of Romans 8. Some of us might want to talk to God about that idea of him being a father particularly if the role of father has been tricky for you. Some of us might just want to say sorry for the areas in our life where we've been led away, we've not been following Jesus. And some of us might just want to pray and ask to experience God's presence for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us, whether for the first time or the thousandth time. So we're going to just follow two steps and then we're going to go into a time of worship. We're going to ask and wait. James 4 verse 2 says, You do not have because you do not ask God. Through prayer we get to ask for help and ask for more of God in our lives. And all we need to start with is Holy Spirit come. So if you've experienced the Holy Spirit before, maybe here at Reddish, at the weekend away or another time, Let me encourage you, it's not a one-time thing. You don't have to wait for your annual top-up or live off yesterday's experience. We can ask again and again to be filled with the Spirit. Andrew Murray was an evangelist in 1800s in South Africa, and he said, when we pray for the Spirit's help, we simply fall down at the Lord's feet in our weakness. And there we will find the victory and power that comes from his love. I love that idea of just falling down before God in my weak place, in my messiness. And then we're going to wait. Ask for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. But when you do, pause and see what God does. And wait expectantly. Maybe there'll be a quiet moment this week or you're reading your Bible, or you're going along to community group, or you're just on a walk, and you can ask God what he has to say to you that day. Maybe you'll get an encouraging word or picture that you could share with somebody else. Maybe you'll just get a sense of his fatherly love for you. We must slow down and wait. Because I'd hate for us to be rushing around so much in the busyness of life that we miss what God is doing.